Hello there and welcome back to Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Uh, Today we have a very special episode of our Comics Roundup. Uh, And today we're going to be interviewing a comic book writer and that comic book writer is Ethan Sachs. Uh, You may have recently uh, been reading his series Bounty Hunters uh, and he has also written other miniseries for Star Wars, including The Halcyon Legacy and Galaxy's Edge. Ethan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And alongside me, I also have um, Chris here, SW Book Collector, with us as well. Hello. Chris, do you want to get things started? Yeah, I mean, first of all, before I go into the questions, I just want to say that obviously this is a Comics Roundup episode. Now, if anyone who's listened to our Comics Roundup episodes will know, we're big Bounty Hunters fans. So this is a huge deal for us. So thank you for joining us. I well, I appreciate the invite, and uh, hopefully, I don't ruin it for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Make mountains in, in bad re- in retrospect. <laughs> um, okay, I'll jump straight in then. So, before we get into the main topic of this interview, can you give us a quick summary of your journey with Star Wars as a franchise? So, and writing comics as a career, and then that coming together into writing Star Wars comics, please. Sure, uh, I'm. Uh... I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan, pretty much literally, since I saw uh, episode, um, well, I should say A New Hope uh, back in the day, or just Star Wars, because it wasn't A New Hope then, <laughs> back as a the four-year-old. Film of many names. Yes, in 1977, the summer of 1977, in a theater in Times Square, New York. So um, it is one of my first memories, and the memory is so vivid of my father who passed away in 1995, sitting next to me, that I can he- still hear his voice. Um, and I've told that story uh, because I was for a long time, I was a movie reporter for the New York Daily News, a, a newspaper out in New York. Mm-hmm. And I had the chance to interview um, George Lucas, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels. Oh, wow. And I got to tell that story to each of them and each had a very different reaction. Um, <laughs> Carrie Fisher sort of tapped her heart, you know, like like that was a sweet thing I had said. Uh, yeah. Anthony Daniels called me one of those crazies. Uh, he asked me how many. Right. Yeah, he asked me how many times I had seen the original Star Wars, <laughs> and I said uh, somewhere in the you know I stopped counting in the sixty past sixty, and he said in his entire life he had seen it maybe three times. So oh, wow. uh, yeah, and uh, Mark Hamill uh, went on a complete non sequitur, beautiful story that had nothing to do with what I said, and George Lucas looked at me very uncomfortably. So that was that ran the, the range of emotions. That feels like uh, it perfectly so, encapsulates all their personalities, though. Yes, it really did. It really did. Uh, never got the chance to interview Harrison Ford, I'm, I'm sure. That would have been the shortest of interviews. But Yeah, I might have just hinted um, at you. So yeah, so long way of saying it is meant uh, so much to me, and I, I really... Uh, think it inspired me to to go into writing um you know even though i started as a journalist uh just the idea of you know creating worlds and uh just getting lost in my own head i think could be traced to that magical day um more specifically for the purpose of your question uh it actually also led me into comics because um at the new york daily news i covered movies tv but i was also on this thing called they called the geek beat uh, largely mm-hmm. because I was into these things that many other people at the paper were not. So among them, Star Wars, comic books, all sorts of good stuff. And um, for uh, in 2016, I wrote a story. I interviewed this actor, Paul Blake, who played uh, Greedo. And uh, uh, he passed away shortly thereafter. Nothing to do with my interview, I assure you. Uh, so anyway, so we were just riffing on who shot first. Han or, or Greedo and, and how that sort of changed depending on the generation. And he was just so funny. It just, he had this, he was talking about Greedo's myopic eyes, uh, but he did end up saying that in the script, uh, it says Han shoots alien. So I just, I couldn't get the idea out of my head of doing a Rashomon like story about the investigation into Greedo's murder. <laughs> and um, I just couldn't get out of my head afterwards. So uh, and for those of you out there who don't know uh, what Rashomon is, it's um, best known as a as a film by by Kurosawa, which is based mm-hmm. on a novel, and it's a murder in feudal Japan, where four different witnesses, including the ghost of the victim, have very different accounts. So it's I mm-hmm. thought of the idea of doing this as a uh, 
So I approached a friend of mine, Joe Casada, who was a former Marvel editor in chief. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I just, uh, we were at a baseball game and we, we were friends and I never once sort of crossed that line or whatever. But I was like, I have this idea and I can't get it out of my head. Do you mind if I write a spec script on the off chance you'd be interested in publishing it? Um, then I would just donate the money to charity because I'm a you know reporter. I'd be very public about it. And he was like, sure, whatever. It was not enthusiastic at all. <laughs> um, also, he was not the editor-in-chief at that time. He was the chief creative officer. So, uh, But I just wanted him to look at it. Never written a comic book script in my life. I sort of, uh, but I'd read so many of them, you mm-hmm. know, covering comic books. So I decided to sort of cherry pick uh, the types of scripts I really liked with the pacing and like just, you know, the formatting and all that kind of stuff. I reached out to Lucasfilm because I knew the, publicist there, um, Lynn, and um, she put me in touch with Pablo Hidalgo, so I asked some continuity questions, and I wrote the script, sent it out into the email, didn't hear anything for weeks. I figured, okay, really didn't like it. Uh, Get on a plane, go to Japan and visit my in-laws. September 7, 2016, my plane lands, I turn on my phone, and I get the email that changed my life. Uh, Subject line was F. Greedo. I will leave it to your listeners to figure out uh, what it actually said. And it was from Joe and the, the, and I thought, wow, he really must have hated it. But the gist of it was never mind Greedo. Uh, you can actually write comics. And um, I want to sort of put this in front of Axel and see, you know, what we can do Axel Alonso being the editor in chief at the time. So long story short, that's what got me in the door at Marvel oh, wow. that ended up changing my career. And it never got published. Oh, wow. uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be, it's probably, the window probably closed. But, uh, but it also, it was like two years later that I ended up actually writing Star Wars. And that came about because um, Thomas Groneman, who then at that time was uh, an assistant editor in the Star Wars office, uh, worked with me on a Silver Surfer uh, annual. And we just hit it off really yeah. well. And so he did everything he could to bring me into the fold. and. Uh, the rest is history. Oh, wow. Okay. I love that you're just friends with Joe Casada, Like, <laughs> Daredevil legend Joe Casada, you know? That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I've, I owe that guy so much, so many uh, times, but, you know, he's changed my life for the better in so many ways. I mean, that's wonderful. Uh, that, that being the main one. <laughs> yeah. So, sadly, Bounty Hunters has come to an end. Um but we're here to celebrate it as we've all been huge fans of this series and have loved the entire journey. What are some of your reflections or highlights of your bounty hunters writing journey now that it's at an end? Well, it came to, uh, came to me at a time that was like a really rough time in my personal life. Uh, for those uh, listeners out there who've been following this creator own that I've done with my daughter um, for image called a haunted girl, uh, they they may know the backstory, and that is that my, my daughter was hospitalized with severe depression and was suicidal, and, and this was all happening like around the time that I was uh, starting on the sort of bounty hunter's journey. And so uh, a lot of what, the poor things I did to Valance and, and others was the whole theme was like trauma and, and overcoming mm. trauma and like working through mm. it and failing and lifting yourself back up and all this kind of stuff. So I think it was like cheaper than therapy. Yeah. So I, I feel like th- what I'm most proud of with, with Paolo uh, in our run is that I kind of feel like we, we turned, hopefully it was still an entertaining space opera, but it was also the story of a soldier with PTSD and like, mm. um, and I think there were deeper themes that I think a lot of people resonated with. Um, you know, including us. So, uh, you know, that I'm, I think I'm most proud of there. There've been individual beats too, that I, yeah. uh, I can't believe they let me get away with like the, uh, the moment that, uh, Darth Vader used the force to adjust Valance's collar. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think like that's one of the beats that I'm proudest of that they let us get away with. Directly uh, just didn't notice. Or... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just cause you know, you have that, hand motion and you're like oh oh and you know everyone's you know eyes are bugging out and then you just see the collar just kind of adjust itself yeah if i could just throw in a quick um cheeky question dan if that's okay um i actually met you at celebration um this year and it was the signing and you signed about 
five of my bounty hunters trade paperbacks and allegiance <laughs> and galaxy's edge and you were really you were great you were really like generous in what you were in conversationally and i'm just looking through the questions here and i don't think we've mentioned it but i think i mentioned to you at the time that i'm a massive tonga fan as my yes. name on the chat says tonga's Remember. biggest fan <laughs> yes. and um and then you told me about the plan at the time that you just kind of because of covid and the paper shortage there was a dark was it dark squadron yeah it was meant to split yeah. off yeah that's um, sort of why valence kind of disappears minus yeah. an arm joins the uh <laughs> and and then we could we couldn't follow through because the paper shortage so he ended up being with vader for a while in in greg's book um I haven't seen that mentioned around a lot, so I don't, I don't know if many people know about it. So if you could just, just a quick summary of what that was going to be, just that would yeah, be Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was going to be a mini-series where Valance sort of leads a group of Imperials working uh, sort of begrudgingly, uh, you know, he's, he's sort of blackmailed into, into working for Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was going to be, you know, and then we we're going to probably bring him back. But that also allowed Tonga and that sort of ragtag crew to sort of kind of not kind of evolve from being the sort of supporting characters to, to yeah. being. Um, but it all worked out because when he came back, they all became one crew, at least until it all went to hell again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> later, as it always does. Um, but yeah, that was that was the original plan. Yeah, for a while there, their biggest problem was the Valance Bosk beef. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was the... Yeah. And that's, that's as close to peace as they got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, seeing that you mentioned Valance, you've obviously, you, you've already sort of brushed on this slightly, but I'd like to dig into Valance a little bit more as a character. He was obviously a big focal point of the series. What, what made Valance interesting for you when you first started the series and um, sort of... You, you touched on sort of the trauma and that element of his character. What was it that you really wanted to achieve over the run with with Valance as a character? So uh, when Mark uh, Panicia, who is the editor, the great editor of the Star Wars line, and, and uh, you know, really all the credit to him and his team for the last four years of all the books and the, you know, I, I feel uh, not, I'm clearly biased, but I feel like it was a golden age for Star Wars comics. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when he pro- approached me for this book in particular, he really wanted Valance to be the point of view character for several reasons. One, this was a classic Marvel character from the original Star Wars run. Um, and it, like like Afra was a character that because it was not a live action character, we might have some more freedom, um, you know, writing as a, adventures because yeah, it doesn't necessarily impact uh, what happens in Return of the Jedi and beyond. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that was like appealing. And then I think CB, the editor-in-chief at Marvel, like me, grew up with, uh, and like Mark, grew up with those classic bounty hunters on our bed sheets or, you know, in our <laughs> toy boxes. So wanted those as like kind of supporting characters. So like, you yeah. know, basically Valance would be our point of view into this world, but he'd interact with all these classic characters. So like you could kind of see that a little bit in the in the first arc. That's the sort of the tone that we were going for. Uh, and then, you know, when you're writing, sometimes the characters take life of their own and they just sort of run in different directions than you were originally planning. Um, I also, when I started, I had no idea how long we had. I would never imagine that we'd have four years that we get to tell the story, but I, I hoped I would have at least a year or two. And then I would be able to develop this character enough so that he goes through some miserable crap and then uh, emerges better for it. You know, that yeah. was always, I, I had in my head the last page of 40, what turned out to be the last page of 42 with him holding his hand to, to the reader um, and, and whoever it was, uh, I knew it wasn't going to be Yura, uh, but, you know, whoever he ends up with, yeah, uh, just happy and, and to just hold out his hand to the reader, like symbolically. So yeah. I knew that's, I, I knew from the beginning, that's where I wanted to end it. Um I had no idea, like, and there were things I kind of wanted to do and other things that came up along the way. And of course you work with a great artist like Paolo Villanelli for as long mm. as we did. Yeah. He has an impact. So like a lot evolved over time. Um, and, uh, but, but I think I, I knew I wanted to have him, you know, the, the idea, cause originally they approached me and they wanted it to be like an action hero in space, like an, 
maybe could be played by Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I wanted the PTSD veteran. Like what I wanted was here's this guy who was catastrophically injured mm-hmm. physically and rebuilt, but he's not rebuilt inside. And he's got the whole series is him rebuilding himself inside. Like yeah. that's what I, that's how I envision the character. That was my way in. Um, you know, I like these fallible characters, you know, they, these, morally gray you know like mm. i always say like they don't really care if the most of them balance probably does and most of them don't care if the rebellion wins or the empire wins it makes no difference in their day-to-day lives mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's a grandiose problem for people that can afford to have that problem but they're you know living and dying in the in the dirt of the streets and so like i i gravitate towards those stories those andor like you know kind of um yeah. stories and stories so, yeah 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's something that um, that that we talk about a lot. That um, we, we've got a, a third uh, co-host who, who does our monthly po- uh, monthly comic podcast with us, John, who's a huge Valance fan as well. And it's something we talk about all the time. That Valance was always a character that I was interested in, and uh, I liked him. He was a cool design. But it wasn't until we started reading Bounty Hunters and starting going through the journey that the character really became something to me. Um, and, and watching that journey that Valance went on and sort of the, the moment in issue 42 where he essentially like helps the Return of the Jedi crew do Jabba's palace easier because <laughs> there's not a big droid to deal with. I, I love the idea that I could sit and watch Return of the Jedi now and be like, Valance did that. <laughs> well, that was important to me to end it there because um, we established that, or it wasn't even really us, it was uh, in, um, you know, uh, Cadet Solo where uh, where their friendship with Han was established mm-hmm. and yeah. him knowing and knowing his personality, like he wasn't going to stop trying to save his friend yeah. unless he was either dead or, or had some kind of win. And we knew he couldn't be the one to save Han because that goes to, you know, Luke, Leia, yeah. uh, Lando and Chewbacca to do that. So like, mm-hmm. um, what could he do to sort of help, um, you know? And so, so that was, sort of that's how the other thing i wanted to do was give him a win you know yeah uh, uh, and feel like he was part of it i mean as uh, as fan, canon fans we really appreciated the um the thematic links and the fact you built off imperial cadet and target vader um because even though they're, they're separate and they were different things like they very much flow for for valence's timeline and story so that's you. massively appreciated. That is. <laughs> Thank you. That was, you know, one of the things I love from Target Vader is like he he's one of the few idiots in that galaxy that would go directly head to head with Vader. Like he yeah. just he had not he would lack. I think his self preservation instinct was blown off on in the Battle yeah. of Midvine. You know, like <laughs> he doesn't. You know, it just does not. So I wanted to sort of pay homage to that and that and. Um, uh that storyline where where he fa- i think i'm trying to remember it was like 31 i think issue 31 where he goes toe-to-toe with vader mm-hmm. um and you know of course he's gonna lose but yeah. he just doesn't yeah just he's not afraid uh which i i like about him he, you know he loses more often than he wins with, with guys <laughs> like boba fett and vader but... yeah or crashes a tie fighter through a star <laughs> yeah. destroyer window because it's yeah. the easiest way in yeah yeah he's definitely there's an American uh, former football player, uh, and his name is Ronnie Lott, and he played on defense. But he had the only important part of this is he had a quote uh, about because he was known as a vicious tackler, right? Like he would, <laughs> like basically sacrifice his own body to, and and I, I'm gonna botch the quote, but he basically said he looks uh, at a point like behind the player, and he runs as fast as he can to that point. Like the player is not even there. You know what I mean? And that's that's sort of his like he, that's why his bot like he doesn't flinch or anything like he's yeah. running towards this point on the other side <laughs> of the player. And I feel like that's balances like life uh, yeah, philosophy, you know, it's just yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run into Vader as fast as I can or fly this ship into that bridge because yep. that is the fastest and most efficient <laughs> way of me getting, you know, so. Uh, he's kind of no nonsense that way. Good, good, good methodology for a bounty hunter, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, an, an, another quick comment by, on what you just said there um, was the fact that you didn't know how long you had. Um, you didn't know if you had a year or 
or whatever. Um, I mean, did you really expect to get four years worth of story out of the time between Empire and Jedi? Because it's a year, isn't it? That time frame. Yes. And really, all these comics take place within a few months of within that year, right? Like you're not starting, you know, immediately right after Empire and you're no. not starting, you're not ending. Well, you're getting close to. Yeah. So it, it's probably close to a year. Yeah. No, I had no idea. Um, you know, uh, as we went, we would get commitments for, for more. But usually you're living like in the world of comics, you're living essentially like trade to trade. So often decisions are made like where a trade would end right. kind of thing. So, um, uh, you know, and, and that this is a place for me to say, like, I'm very grateful to Marvel to basically give me an extra issue where that normal like at the end of dark droids arc is where it normally should end if you're discontinuing the series there but they you know i asked for the extra issue to wrap up that you know to give valance that that win uh and they not only gave me that they gave me 30 pages and they gave me and i also asked for palo to be back for the uh, return yeah, of the we, return yeah, of the thing like uh post uh you know that, that sort of ending now what we need is for all all to be collected in a single omnibus now <laughs> just to wrap it up into one giant thing yeah i mean i'm i'm confident it'll happen i'm confident yeah. it'll happen i have no i have no uh, inside information no i know <laughs> we're just hoping it's... you'd let something slip yeah it's something we talk about every <laughs> every month we're like when are we gonna yeah. get bounty hunters omnibus <laughs> yeah we need it yeah um just b before i know chris would be desperate to move on to tonga and losha but if i can just ask one cheeky little valence question before we before we move on do you think we'll do you think there's more for Valence's story? Do you think we'll see Valence again? I do. I do. I think so. Um I left him alive. <laughs> you did? I, I basically that's, that's at the true, end yeah. of this at the end of this book, um, you know, I basically purposely left like, okay, someone can take Tonga and Losha going in one direction, Valence and Hayden and, and um, you know, Zuckus and four L O M and there's a whole other bounty uh, hunters crew with like Dirge and Deathstick and Bosk and, and all that. And so there's different things you could do, um, you know, and you hand the baton to someone else. It's, uh, it's a joy. I, I think the best part of all this was got to create Paolo and I and, uh, and several other artists got to create these, some original characters and, and put them into this galaxy and be kind of cool. I've seen a little bit of, of, uh, you know, Tonga written by other writers like Mark Guggenheim and Alyssa yeah. Wong. And so like, yeah. uh, Vakora, um so like i love the Cora. yeah i mean um that's an example of a character that totally evolved it was just um she was just like a, a villain i needed for the first arc and then Alyssa turned that character into kind of a much cooler villain and i took their <laughs> you know their version of a and brought uh brought yeah. her back into uh, into bounty hunters and then her backstory kind of came to you know came out yeah. from that yeah. so yeah so anyway it's it's a joy to be able to leave these characters because uh, a quick story the very first star wars uh story that i wrote for marvel was a 10 pager uh about mace windu and his lightsaber that was in age of republic special yeah. yes yeah also drawn by paolo villanelli coincidentally in fact uh listeners can't see this but i have a piece <sighs> of original art on the wall oh wow um and so uh as well as an original art of his behind me oh my god but anyway i created this this kind of badass looking villain named butako the grim and i was so excited that i contributed my first character to star wars mythos but then i i killed him off on page eight <laughs> um and so i was like telling my daughter i was like oh my god this is so great i created this character and she's like yeah but you killed him off and no one else ever gonna see him again <laughs> And that like stuck in my mind. So I was like, you know what? I'll just like pretend to kill them off and yeah. like, leave them alive from now on. Because like that was right. I would have liked to have left that guy uh, alive longer <laughs> than eight pages. Speaking of Fukura, though, I mean, one thing that I love about that character is how I mean, I wrote uh, the reviews for for the website fan for tracks for bounty hunters when it was in its when it's in its early issues and i remember saying like at the time vukora is a really refreshing villain just like incredibly sinister and terrifying but just look at it now as a whole piece that you went from like one of the scariest 
Star Wars villains I think we ever have to this massive softie that ha essentially has kittens. Yeah. <laughs> and it's completely natural as well. Yeah, I mean, as... Like, there's no hard left turns there. As as we were writing, I kind of felt like... Like, her core character in the very beginning was that she was elevated by, you know, as this assassin from childhood by this father of, of a daughter who's killed and this father just kind of go like can't handle it and just kind of kind of just like hiding in his room all the time and so she has to kind of run the syndicate and so she loves this you know she feels almost like she's a daughter but not treated as that and over time i thought like wow what a messed up childhood that must have been and so then that kind of yeah developed and then uh, paolo villanelli <laughs> Uh, asked that we kill off the Nexu, the pet Nexu, mm -hmm. which uh, was was like the second major death, I guess, in the series after mm -hmm. Anacano. <laughs> and um, so there's all Paolo. I'm throwing him under the bus. That's one of my like, favorite issues. Run, running him over with the bus because he was like, I can't stand drawing this Nexu because of the size and it's always with the panels. <laughs> you always have to figure out like the, the, you know, it's just a pain in the... So I was like, all right, so let's find, you know, let's give this traumatic death that's going to affect the arc of two different people. Yeah. And so from there, I was like, it just felt natural that Picard would hate people but love animals. Yeah. So yeah. Having to, to do that to save her own life. That breaks must her. Must have been very traumatic. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of, but then it makes her look backwards. And then, so it yeah. just became like this natural thing that came out of Paolo's um, lack of empathy for Nexu. <laughs> I mean, speaking of these characters, you know, Valence, like we're saying, wasn't the only lead character in Bounty Hunters. Yeah. Both Tonga and Losha were wonderful and very important characters in the story. What were your initial thoughts behind Tonga and Losha as characters, and how did you plan to develop them throughout the series? Um, I originally envisioned them as supporting characters, but, like, I was more focused on Tonga, I think, at first than, than Losha. Um, I wanted to... I wanted them to be like, I, I knew I wanted to have a same sex couple mm -hmm. uh, of two things. I wanted to have a marriage that was actually happy in star Wars. Yeah. Uh, where there isn't like some horrible thing that happens <laughs> like, uh, you know, um, Kanan getting blown up or something, you know, like something that, you know, like I just wanted them, I wanted them to be together. Um, and I didn't want their. I was convinced Losha was going to bite it towards the end though. When she came back all hench, I was like, she's done for. I, 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 I kind of tease that I kill off characters, mm -hmm. but I actually have a fairly low body count of the major <laughs> characters. Uh, well, I mean, apart from all the nameless characters that Bosk yes. and Zuckus rip apart, you know. Tasu Leech. Yes, the nameless characters are, are, are 100%. Yeah, that's a good kill count. There. <laughs> they're doomed. They're all doomed. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm not a big believer in killing off main characters if you don't need to. Um, but uh, I knew I wanted for Tonga, like this a very specific thing where she starts out uh, looking for revenge for her brother, because like their twin brother, mm -hmm. that they would have some kind of bond. And there would be on the page turn where she's shot and you think she's dead by Boba Fett, the page before her brother is shot in the same way and does die, right? So there was the, the metaphor, which I think was kind of lost uh, in the moment, but was this path is taking her down the same fate as her brother if she doesn't change. And so then she became like, I'm going to save this girl, Cadelia, who is a hope for peace in the underworld or whatever, and I'm going to find like a better, you know, and um, over the course of the series, she fails to do that. And then she's like, I'm going to take care of this crew or I'm going to save Valentine. And she keeps failing but keeps trying again. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted her at the end to sort of find her peace in her way. Like again, yeah. a very similar arc to, to Valance, but I, that was what I want. So to be honest, Losha was not as much in my thought as like to me, Tonga is a co-lead yeah. uh, of the book I felt. Yeah. Um, and so that arc was important to me. And then the other thing was um, I wanted her, uh, this is a, definitely a PTSD thing where she had a, a fear of Boba Fett because of what happened. And so like I knew, and it, you know, this is where I didn't know where it would fall in the story, but towards the end where Boba Fett just methodically wipes the floor with the rest of the crew. And she's kind of, um, kind of cowering 
because she's afraid and then she realizes if she doesn't do something like her, her crew is going to be lost so she's the one that takes him down like that was mm-hmm. i think it was in 35 35 yeah um so that that beat was one of my favorites because i kind of feel like we were kind of breadcrumbing yeah. that that you know uh, that for the whole series um and so for her to sort of take that power and 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 you know torment her tormentor if you will mm-hmm. uh that was and then from there like she, she was healed from you know what i mean yeah yeah um so i i like that about her that she keeps trying <laughs> and also she's the smartest one in the book like her plans are oh, usually pretty yeah. good like yeah, yeah. um you know uh so there everyone there is slightly uh you know could <laughs> Everyone in this book could use some therapy, with the possible exception of Bosk, who is the manifestation of perfect self-esteem. You know what I mean? Like he just. Um... You say that, but there's guilt at the end. I I read guilt on his face. Yeah, I think it, I think it's like I think he realizes he screwed himself over more than he, <laughs> anyone else. You know, but it, it's uh, it's the it's the frog and the scorpion, right? Like he he can't help his nature. You know, Trandoshans eat their siblings, so like, yeah, you know. It's it's hard to make lasting friendships. <laughs> well, that that broke our heart. I'll be honest, because this kind of leads me on to my next question. But the one thing that re- I found really surprising about this book, especially when Tonga became leader, was just and I never expected it, but was the amount of affection that was in that crew. Like it felt, yeah. it grew into mm-hmm. like an actual like family They they didn't I mean, you established quite quickly that they didn't need to be there. They weren't going to earn much money. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, they, they just, they did it because of the affection they felt for Tonga and they're, they're sort of the brotherhood in arms they got, you know, and in a world of bounty hunters, when everyone's out for themselves, I found that really compelling, you know, it was really, really good, which is why when Bosk, betrayed them oh no we oh. we we had we had a moment didn't we dad on the podcast yeah we, we actually did yeah <laughs> he's the only one that it would have made sense to betray you know what yeah. i mean um and i also think like i hope some of the flashbacks alluded to this or sort of but i feel like nakano was such a definitive presence in like valance's life and tonga's life and mm-hmm. and that helped sort of that model um so uh, i'd love to tell you know, I'm lucky that I'm telling a bounty hunter story in a different era, but I would, I would love to, you know, tell bounty hunter stories in multiple eras because I just think yeah. these, you know, there's some characters that overlap era eras, and you know, other characters that would I haven't gotten to play with that I'd love to. So it's, uh, um, but I, I feel like she was a presence in their lives that showed them another way, you know, yeah. Yeah. the way that they can do this as a team and find these connections and and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's we we mentioned that that moment from Dark Droids was it, it, issue forty, um, the the moment with the big betrayal, and um, during the Dark Droids event, and we we really like we we found that really surprising and shocking twist, and it, it really hurt, and that obviously is credit to to the work that's been done before it and bringing that team together. How, how did you sort of build up to that payoff? How, how how did you did you have that idea in your mind? Yes, um, in advice. I think um, it might have played out a little later, except I knew that the book was going to end soon. Mm-hmm. So I, at that point, I had, you know, I knew that it, I would have 42, but I, I needed, um, I couldn't jam up 42 with everything. And I kind of feel like the betrayal, if it happened right at the end, would be so abrupt. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that I felt like, okay, well, we'll put it here and that'll actually make what happens at the end of dark droids that might then that actually helped me because i wanted um i knew i wanted losha and bakara to team up but you know and <laughs> yes so that would they would have to be the ones to save the day instead of like the larger crew yeah yeah so uh so yeah i think you know I, if if i had another you know x number of years that might have been closer to the end or whatever but i I feel like it worked out for the best where it was yeah i mean it was it was a really impactful moment and just seeing such a such a ragtag team of characters with very different personalities have that familial 
uh, togetherness and it sort of get pulled apart was was incredible. I guess this is one of the things that you know you hinted there slightly. This book obviously features a lot of bounty hunters. Um, wh- which ones were some of your personal highlights to write, and were there any that you really fought for using? Were there any that you wanted to use but couldn't? How, how did the bounty hunter battle go for you? Also, why was it full of Manzukas? So, uh, yeah, I mean, they were the ones that I I ended up loving the most. Although yeah. Tas- Tasu is up there, and and Bosque was my favorite going in. So I know I'm I'm literally right. answering all of them. I will <laughs> say, I will say we used Boba Fett as much as we could, like. Uh-huh. Um, there was, uh, and and I think that was the right decision. I think um, Lucasfilm prefers like Boba Fett being a more mysterious character that sort of comes in in and out rather than being like the focus of a book, and that allows you not to have to dive too deep into it. You know, yeah. I think also you know Book of Boba Fett was going to come out and things like that. So um, I actually like that though because he's just this force of nature that blows in like a hurricane and blows out. You know. Yeah uh periodically um but the others we pretty much had fair reign it was a time that we couldn't use uh, ig88 um and i i i think it was because ig11 was about to debut they want to confuse that it it would be confusing i think for the casual reader and i think that was the right decision um so i ended up being able to use any and all the others which i did uh dengar was interesting because oh yes originally originally uh, and i could not stand dengar going in we can tell uh but uh he became i don't know if you're familiar with the uh with the 80s movie um midnight run robert De Niro and charles grodin that sort of mismatched i kind of wanted to do that with valance and someone else like hondo or or, but hondo was not available at the at the time so i was like okay who else can i use and dengar because i was Mm -hmm. like i can just make him this total like you know, he talks big, but can rarely, you know, he's, he's competent, but he's not as competent as he portrays he's himself. Extremely unlikable guy. <laughs> yes. Um, and so from there, some of the storyline, you know, the bickering. And the other thing too, is when you write Valance, you kind of need somebody with him because mm. he's not the kind of person to just talk a lot, uh, to do any kind of exposition or he's just, you have to pull the dialogue out of him usually by getting him angry. So who's <laughs> going to get him angry? Dengar, you know, <laughs> um, and, and the thing is that was built in from the great target Vader, where Dengar yeah. betrayed him. You know, so they already they already can't stand each other, and then they have this begrudging respect. Um, you know, and then actually Valance is the one who screws over uh, Dengar. I mean, speaking of Dengar, though, like how fun was it writing that dinner scene? Oh, the dinner scene! Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> I, I I wanted one of the best scenes in the comic, in my opinion. Well, thank you. I wanted to do occasional like solo issues with like Bosk and Dengar and um, yeah. so uh, and uh, Zuckus, which actually was my favorite of those uh, 32. Mm. Um, and the interesting thing about some of these characters is, you know, I, I, I mind a little bit from the uh, Tales of the Bounty Hunters, the, the book that came out in the 90s, you know, like uh, Dengar's girlfriend, Manaru comes from there. Uh, but with Zuckus, Zuckus has changed a lot since that depiction. And so there isn't a lot about Gan's um, you know, uh, in, in canon. So I got to like create their planet, you know, like that was mm. just not depicted elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I mean, how cool is that for the inner four-year-old that sat in the <laughs> theater that day? Uh, so that, that was my favorite because of, of, uh, uh, you know, of that. Um, and, uh, I think, um, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> Zuckus and 4LOM, I, my way into them was uh, murder Burton Ernie. That was like what I jotted <laughs> down. So they're, they're like this sort of really weird, innocent friendship, but they're also incredibly competent assassins, you know. So it's just if you picture, yeah. um, you know, Burton Ernie as assassins, that's pretty much what they are. Like this, this very different personalities but they're you know best friends and and uh, appreciate each other kind of thing did you have any other ideas for any other characters or stories that didn't quite make it in like any things you were kind of any story ideas you were floating with it was there was a big one but i cannot i cannot say it 
I wish I could. There's, <laughs> there's a good in, in, case, in, in case you get a chance to do it. <laughs> uh, no, there is no chance we'll ever get to do it. <laughs> the re reaction oh, okay. was not positive. Um, but it was a, a really over-the-top storyline. Um, and the, the thing is, too, uh, one of the, I think the main reason this period of time has been so cohesive and everything with Marvel is that the the writers all met with the editors on Zoom every Wednesday, and it was like the highlight of the week. And so all these people, Alyssa, mm -hmm. Greg, Charles, Mark, um, uh, we all became like, you know, first we were coworkers, and then we were collaborators, and then we were like friends, you know, and, and so that just, I think that bled into the work. And you can see that in the crossovers and, and you know, especially like Charles, who was the quarterback or, you know, the, the mastermind behind the, the, uh, the events um, was so collaborative, Full you know, like your conversations would be like, I'd like to take balance and pair him with Boba Fett in this unlikely thing. And like, you know, what do you need for your book? And I was like, well, can you blow up balance? Can you have Boba Fett blow up like the tray and blow up balance? And then he, you know, and that allowed his yeah. kind of staggered escape that ultimately mm -hmm. failed um, you know, so things like that, it was constantly like Cadelia, you know, um, originally I was going to have her in the book longer, but then uh, Grogu happened and it was like, I don't want to really feel like we're going in the same territory. So the sort of lone wolf and cub thing, you know, I didn't want to repeat that. So there's a lot of that in Star Wars at the moment. Yeah. Isn't there? Oh, with Bad Batch. And yeah. So, so basically I was like, you know, Cadelia, I think it was, is important in the underworld. So like, you know, and then he, took Cadelia and made Cadelia uh, Kira's protege. And um, I thought that storyline mm -hmm. and that gave Kira a win um, in, in helping this person get out of that cycle. Uh, so, yeah, I think like that's collaboration that, you know, it starts from the editors on down. Um, yeah. And I think that I, you know, like I said, I'm biased, but I think these stories are so good uh, across the line mm -hmm. for four years and counting, you know, uh, it's still going on. Um, that uh, and I think that's why. Yeah, I mean, it was, I actually, I was actually I had, a, I had a question to to ask about that. I mean, you you've answered a lot of it, but in terms of that collaborative process uh, between you and Charles and Alyssa and, and Greg, um, how did how did it work? Sort of specifically mapping out the crossovers because I mean, both War of the Bounty Hunters and Dark Droids. I mean, a lot of the time they're all converging on the same planet at the same yeah. time, sort of. How closely did that collaboration work? Very did closely. A, did you have a favorite crossover? Um, I mean, God, I love that. I mean, you know, I think for, for um, it's funny because I think the first one, because we were so new to it, would probably be my, my favorite, but I love them all. Like, I, I think they all, you yeah. know, a uh, great thing about Star Wars comics, um, like the novels, like the video games, is they all are part of the same story that the live action and the animated series are so uh these things mattered you know it wasn't this kind of thing where they'd wake up and it'd be a dream you know like these stories mm -hmm. had impacts and consequences and um but we you know we had these meetings we had shared like google docs uh a lot of planning went into this i mean most of it was on charles's shoulder uh but mm -hmm. charles was also constantly asking for what we wanted to do with our characters and how we could work it in. And, you know, he would show us what he was doing with these characters. So like, am I getting the voice right? And all that. So like very collaborative uh, and, you know, also throw mm -hmm. in, um, there were other writers that sort of parachuted in and out. And of course, Googs is, uh, is also part of this uh, conversation as well. In fact, for the last issue 42, I, I consulted him because I pulled out pieces from his Yoda story with the Megadroid and the uh, yeah, of course, yeah, uh, the yeah. neural core that he had in uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca. So, um, you know, so it really was down to the very last issue, like something we we discussed. Yeah, you know, I mean, you worked with some incredible artists and colorists throughout yeah. the Bounty Hunters run. I mean, how do you collaborate with your artists and in what way did they capture your vision for the series? Like, how did that work? So, I mean, I was, I was lucky uh, in two, two ways. Number one, um, you know, because in modern comics, it's very rare that one artist will, part of it is scheduling, um, mm. will be on a yeah. series for as long as Paolo was. And Paolo was, I think, 31 of the 42 issues. 
So on one hand, we had this incredible, and when you collaborate with an artist, you get to know what their strengths are and they get to know what your, so we would do Skypes. I would tell them what I was thinking and I'd be like, okay, you know, if you could draw one character, if you, if there's something that you really excites you and I just, and, and I feel like, um, and also, by the way, I learned this from reading Charles's scripts early on, his incredible script for, uh, where the bounty hunters, uh, zero or alpha. alpha, alpha yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I would, before I have these action figures and I would sort of choreograph the action scenes myself and like type out in the panel, like, you know, very specific actions because I thought I'm helping the artist. And then I saw Charles write for Steve McNiven and, and it was like, okay, from like this page to this page, we're going to have this really cool action scene and like, you know, basically like have fun. These are the three beats that we just have to get through by the end of this thing and just leaving it to the artist right. for that. Right. Mm-hmm. And my God, the results were so good. And then I realized why am I, you know, choreograph, you know, it'd, it'd be like if you're directing Jackie Chan as a director and you're like, yeah. okay, you stand here, throw a punch this way when you probably should say, okay, Jackie, you're going to fight like you're the two expert. elephants. You're going to fight yeah. two elephants and a guy with a chainsaw and you figure out how, but at the end of it, the guy with the busted <laughs> chainsaw and the elephants are running away. Right. Like, so just come up with something. And it, it was like that with the artists. And, and the result I think is mm. like, um, you know, uh, just some really, because especially like Palo is so dynamic. Oh, um, yeah. So on yeah. one hand, collaborating with this guy who has just a, such a kinetic and wonderful style and Paolo Zonelli, for as long as we did, we could, we could tap into things because of that. And then on the other hand, I had an embarrassment of riches with all these sort of other artists that I got to work with for one to, you know, like Debbie Tinto for five issues and, you know, all this, like yeah. just some, some great artists. And, um, and then Arif was the, um, colorist, you know, throughout. So like there was a consistency pretty much, you know, and Travis, like, so, so I think I had the best of both worlds in that I had this incredible consistency from, you know, mm-hmm. mostly with Paolo, but also uh, the mm-hmm. colorist and letterer. And then when I didn't have Paolo, I had, okay, it's like, there's a scene in, in uh, I think it's Wayne's World 2, or <laughs> Wayne's World 1, where there's this gas station attendant, um, and it's just some random, like, nobody actor, and he's delivering a line, and it's kind of boring. And Mike Myers turns to the screen, because I know it's just a small part, but can we get a real actor? And then they wheel in Charlton Heston. <laughs> And he delivers this and they're all crying this like literally giving directions uh scene and so i kind of feel like it was like that with the artist it's like yeah it's one issue but we'll just give you like the you know fantastic uh artist so um I, you know i think every issue looked really good yeah. uh and that you know hit, hit a lot of my flaws as a writer <laughs> uh yeah so i'm grateful i mean we we talk we talked about it we talked about it regularly about how much, I mean, all, all the artwork was great, but particularly about uh, Paolo Vinanelli's artwork and how it just suited mm. bounty hunters as characters so well and how dynamic the action scenes and everything were. So um, I, I, we, we're always quite passionate when we're talking about comics as, as much as uh, to, to talk about the artists nearly as much yeah. as the writers, because some of the stuff the artists yeah. do is absolutely incredible. So we appreciate you giving a shout out to Paolo. Yeah. And it's a video medium. So it's, it starts with the art and uh, I, I would say, you know, because it's such a visual medium, like, you know, an art, a, a great artist can hide a mediocre writer, but very rarely does it work the other way around. So, so I've been lucky to work with great artists. Yeah. Paolo's stuff was incredible. Like that's, that's, that's some of my absolute favorite, favorite pieces of art in Star Wars is his mm. stuff he does in Bounty Hunters. Incredible. Mm. Like I absolutely love it. I mean, Moving on, Dana, do you, do you want to move on to the last section? Do you think? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll sneak one, one question in before oh, we get to Django. That's a before we question, get to Django Fett. No, it's not. It's a question that uh, that Ethan might not be able to answer, so we don't, we don't want to get you in trouble. But is there any chance we could see another ensemble of bounty hunters back again in the future? Never say never. Um, I, you know, I've pitched various things. I'm waiting to hear back. Uh, some not bounty hunters related, so uh, we, we will see. But at some point, there will be, you know. Um, I, I think, you know, there's just the characters in that part of the world are just so rich that yeah. I think it's inevitable. 
Yeah, not not that the not that the folk from Marvel or Luke's film would listen to me and Chris, but we would definitely want that. <laughs> yeah, we, what we were saying we wanted is um, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but um, is that that Losha Tonga Vukora crew to become mm. Afra's next crew for Volume Three? Because <laughs> I feel like that would be a, a a great team. That would be a great team. Yeah, it'd be a chaos like girl power crazy team but yeah <laughs> anyway don't join us yeah well let's put it out in the world and maybe like Alyssa writing it would be mm-hmm. awesome exactly. oh yeah yeah um so Django Fett obviously yes. is is your next your next uh piece of work coming out um we're all very excited about it and we love the what story in sh- revelations as well that was great yes yeah. Yeah. yes and that story is part of the story like yeah if you were slotting it somewhere I'll just say it it's after issue one before issue two but it, right, it pretty much fits in. Like you're not going to see a repeat of the scene, yeah. but it's something that like happens off camera in this investigation where he's looking for something. Right. Okay. So what, what attracted you to, to Django Fett uh, and this time period? I mean, I've always thought both, Bo- you know, when I was a kid, Boba Fett looked so cool. And of course, you know, Django in the prequels and Mando later, just that Mandalorian look uh, has been fantastic. I really got the bug when I wrote Django in issue 36 in this sort of yeah, flashback yeah. sequence. Yeah. What I love about Django specifically is he has the the sort of the competence and the badassery, if you will, of Boba Fett without that sort of darkness that comes from Boba Fett losing his father so catastrophically when he was so young. You know, like, mm-hmm. Boba Fett's actually a very dark and haunted character at this point in time in the timeline. You know, obviously, changes uh, in Book of Boba Fett due to things that happen after all this. But when I was writing him, like, he's a, he's got a lot of anger <laughs> in him and a lot of, you know, it's a very haunted character. And what I love about Django is he's much less of that. Like, he's much more like what we saw, especially like, you know, I, I obviously read a lot of the, the really great uh, Dark Horse, you know, I read the Dark Horse material, you know, looked at the video game, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, from what we know in, in canon, like, and what we saw in the prequels, he, he's actually kind of a little bit more of a fun swashbuckling version, mm-hmm. you know, than, than his son turns yeah. out to be. And I, I like that about him. Mm-hmm. I liked that, you know, he's probably like amused by the situation that he finds himself in rather than annoyed. Yeah. Like, like Boba Fett would be annoyed by the situation. I feel like Django, there's a little bit of like a cynical humor in him. Um, right. So I really, I really like that. And I also liked where I'm playing in this timeline is before the Phantom Menace. So, Oh, wow. Unencumbered by, yeah. So this is a, this is a guy who's making his name, um, you know, and, and all the, the deeper stuff that comes later, maybe we hint at some stuff, but we, uh, this is like, kind of, we're seeing this younger version of him. Not that young, not that young, but you know, yeah. um, is there, you might see some other cameos. I was going to say, is there anything else you can tease us about? I it? mean, I can tease Aura Singh because you know, yeah, revelations, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was interesting to pit those two against each other because they have very different like fighting styles and very different like mm-hmm. a lot you know um and there are maybe some other cameos can i throw a name out there you don't have to react okay <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna judge by my like if my retinas well, uh yeah, my, yes. my, my iris is like diluted okay, <laughs> oh my god he's lying Dan, record it <laughs> all right recording it anyway but um nakano lash I'm not going to tell you. Just you know, you can keep going. There is a moon. There is a moon that they pass by at some point. Okay, you don't have to say anymore. I just just wanted to see your reaction to that one. (laughs) No, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to name check anybody. So. Okay. And and do is is this a is this. I don't know if this has come out or or if or if this is still to be. This, I mean, is this a mini series? Is this an ongoing? Do you know this how long you've got on four this issue, one? Uh, I'll just say it's like a. I, I I see it less as a mini series and possibly more as a as like a, a British television season. So hopefully, yeah, we stick right, landing okay. on this one. There may be a another season kind of thing. And get a season yeah, like two, six episodes exactly. of the office kind right. of yeah. thing. But, yeah. 
but I think in terms of like branding, it's, it's, uh, I think it's the trail of lost hope or whatever. So like Django, the trail of lost hope and then whatever Django, the, you know, Oh, that's cool. Galloping yeah. unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> like the trail of lost hope. That's a really cool name. It's that's like the, the, uh, <laughs> the Hansel and Chewbacca thing, isn't it? The crystal run. The crystal run. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Mark Guggenheim did. Yeah. Um, uh, but before we wrap up, um, have you got anything else coming up in the future? And it doesn't just have to be Star Wars um, that you think your fans of Bounty Hunters would really enjoy. Uh, well, I mean, it's a good place to plug that creator-owned series that I was uh, yeah. alluding to earlier. It's wrapping up next week, four-issue image comic series called A Haunted Girl, which is very much a kind of uh, horror series that, that deals with... Um, demons internal and external, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, and co-written with my daughter. We're uh, working with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, the American Psychiatric Association for resource guides in the back of the book. And it's coming out as a trade paperback in uh, May. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I think like that's a good place for people to jump on. Uh, if, you know, hopefully it's a cool story if you are not directly affected by these things. Yeah. Um, uh, but if you are or know someone who is, I think it works on a, mm. on a second level. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, and speaking of Joe Quesada earlier, uh, he uh, gave us that for, uh, the first cover uh, as a gift to just as part of encouraging what we're doing. So yet another time that guy uh, has uh, helped me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And and a lot just along those lines, is there any of your past non Star Wars uh, work in comics that you, you think uh, listeners should be checking out as well? I mean, I I would I would flag two. Uh, one is Old Man Hawkeye. Um, yes, which yeah. uh, was my first big entry into comics, and uh, I had a blast with that. That's a, a prequel to Old Man Logan, the classic story uh, by Mark Miller and. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, the other one uh, would be a nonfiction one that I did for AWA Studios called Climate Crisis Chronicles. And being a former journalist, uh, I also work part time uh, here and there for NBC News, which is a, a like an American TV outlet. Um, but mm -hmm. I did a I interviewed a bunch of people who were in the front lines of the climate um, climate change. You know, like a firefighter in California. Mm -hmm working wildfires, a African mayor who's dealing with extreme heat that just, you know, kills a lot of uh, people and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, a French astronaut who was photographing uh, from the International Space Station, you know, the effects. And we got like reference photos and video and like we basically translated it into a comic and um, pretty proud of that one. So oh, wow. uh, yeah, we uh, so the, that one is from AWA Studios. So those two, I would say there's a bunch of stuff that may be announced in the coming weeks to months but i don't can't Ooh. say anything they yeah. star wars things or non-star wars things i can't can't say okay yeah. <laughs> um just before we go I'll, I'll ask you one one last cheeky little question if you could write dream dream level and anything's off the table if you could write any star wars character who would it be and why um okay so not counting greedo <laughs> Yeah. who I've te technically written in Galaxy's <laughs> Edge. Um, yeah, you did, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was, yeah, that was uh, kind of an inside joke with me and Lucasfilm, because they're like, yeah, what, you know, who would you like to use? And I was like, Greedo. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, here's your, here's your chance. But I would say the character... You got to write Afro in there as well, yeah. didn't you? Uh, but, yeah. The character that I have not gotten to write that I would love to write is actually Jyn Erso. I have a story <gasps> in mind, looking for a home for it. Uh, mm. And I really love that character. Rogue One is probably my second favorite Star Wars movie of all time behind Empire. And um, I love how she went through like this horrible experience, but did not lose her in inner goodness, you know, and yeah. um, literally the entire rebellion owes everything to her. Yeah, uh, so, yeah so, absolutely. Um, I, you know, it's a kind of, she's like, you know, would have been nice if they didn't kill her off. <laughs> yeah. Of that, uh, but look, look at Andor, right? You can, you can always go backwards. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, obviously we had Rebel Rising from uh, yes. Beth, Beth Revis, wasn't it? Um, and that was incredible. 
So I think there's still plenty of gaps there to tell some more Jin stories. Yeah. Especially when she's resurrected with spider legs like Darth Maul. <laughs> That'd be a twist. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a twist. <laughs> maybe maybe just have her run around as a force ghost. Who knew? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for your for your time, Ethan. It's really appreciated. Yeah, thanks um, for having and me. I, I don't know uh, what your presence is online in terms of social media, website, but let let people know listening where they can find you. Yeah, for now I'm still on uh, Twitter slash X at Ethan J Sachs, and uh, pretty much I'm either at Ethan J Sachs or Ethan Dot Sachs or uh, Ethan Sachs on Instagram and Threads and blue sky and stuff like that so uh yeah great well thank you so much for being here it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for having um, me and hopefully you're not going to run and burn all your copies i was gonna say hopefully you don't burn all your copies <laughs> of bounty hunters after this interview no just just one of them <laughs> <He> ruined everything <laughs>
And I am Vader's Castle Library on Instagram. And this whole podcast is at SWBC Podcast. You can find us mostly on Instagram, but also on threads and Twitter. Uh, reach out to us. Tell us if you like the episodes. Tell us if you love Bounty Hunters. Tell us who you want us to interview next. Um, and yeah, to all the comics roundup shit boys out there. This one was for you. Shit, boys. Yeah, uh, we did this one for you, baby cake. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good time to stop, isn't it, Chris? <laughs> yep, I'm going crazy. Bye.